Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Amen. Today I asked you guys to look at each other and say, hey, you try me. Because today we're going to start a message called the threat. Everyone say the threat. Yeah. Has anyone here ever been threatened before, just threatened in, in any kind of way, just threatened? You've been threatened before? Threat? Yeah. Uh, thre- a threat is, 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 I don't know, it's not necess- it doesn't feel good. It's not necessarily a positive thing. At least for me, a threat is not necessarily a positive thing. And, 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 and we're going to talk about this for the next two weeks. Uh, today, as we jump into the threat, write this down in your notes. Write this down, and, and maybe you could even repeat it after me to stretch out a little bit and, and to get yourself warmed up. If you feel like there's a good point, feel free to clap. Feel free to say amen. Feel free to warm each other up. Shake someone next to you. Say, did you just hear that? That was good. Whatever it takes to, 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 to receive and to help the preacher out. But listen up. Write this down in your notes as we talk about the threat. It's this. The threat before you. That's what I want to talk about. The threat before you. The threat before you. Go ahead and I'll give you five seconds to write that down. The threat before you. As you finish writing that down, open up your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. I'm going to read from the NLT and I'm going to read verses 12 through 19. And this is basically... Um, the writing of Jesus' triumphal entry um, into Jerusalem. And I want to share it with you. And it's interesting because the reason why I want to share it, it's, it's, it's because of the last sentence that is mentioned in this passage. So I want you to see the whole flow of it till we finally get to that last sentence that I want you to kind of witness there with your eyes and with your ears. Here we go. Uh, John 12, verse 12. Are we there? All right, here we go. It says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept throughout the city. It says, a large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and they went down the road to meet him. And they shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Your translation might say what? Hosanna, Hosanna, right? What does yours say? Hosanna. In the highest, who comes in the name of the Lord. What an amazing sight this is. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. It's Palm Sunday today. Everyone say, happy Palm Sunday. Yeah, what a happy Palm Sunday this was. What a happy, hopefully today, if it's not a happy day for you, you can make it into a happy day. And God could do that miracle in your life today. But, but this is a, for me, when you read this, it's a happy moment. He's, he's entering into Jerusalem. Praise God. Hosanna to the highest. The one who is the Lord. And they're pointing to Jesus as he's writing in verse 14. It says, Jesus found a young donkey and he rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, and this is a prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9. He says, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming riding on a donkey's coat. Verse 16, his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. 
And many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him up from the dead, and they were telling others about it. Man, you got to see this Jesus. You got to witness this Jesus. You got to see how this Jesus preaches, how he walks, how he talks. You got to see how he loves us. You just got to, there's something about him. You ever met someone maybe and you just tell someone about that someone. You hear that song. You got to hear this song already. You watch that movie. You just got to hear this. You got to watch this movie already. And, and, and Jesus is, is being spoken about often and everyone's like, man, you got to see him. You got to meet him. You got to watch him. You got to see how he does things. And everyone begins to talk about this Jesus. Verse 18 says, and that was the reason why so many went out to meet him. He was very popular at this time because they've heard about this miraculous sign. And every eye on verse 19, every eye on verse 19, it says, Then the Pharisees said to each other, and this is what I, this is what I really want you to see here because I read all this for this one point right here. The Pharisees, everyone say Pharisees. Pharisees. Yeah. What are Pharisees? What are Pharisees? Uh, religious leaders. Just in a nutshell, know this. They're religious leaders. These are powerful, respected, authoritative men. These are religious leaders. They dress different. They look different. When a Pharisee walked down the street, people moved. When they spoke, people shut up. Pharisees were something to reckon with. Okay, you guys understand me? These are some serious people. When the Pharisees, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to each other, there is nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. That's it. That's what I want you to put your eyes on. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. It's almost like saying, everyone drank the Kool-Aid. Right? Everyone did it. You see, you got to go back to the beginning of his ministry. For three years, three and a half years, they, they've been after Jesus. They've been trying to kill him, and they've been trying to arrest him. They've been trying to take him out, and they, they kept falling short. And finally, he's walking into Jerusalem, and as he's, as he's entering into Jerusalem, he's riding a donkey. Guess what? The people are yelling and screaming and putting palm trees on the floor that Jesus' feet and the donkey's feet won't even walk on the ground but step on. And, and as all this is happening and as what their crowds are saying are being heard, guess what happens to the Pharisees? They know the Old Testament left and right. They, they know it inside out. And they know that what Jesus was doing was exactly what Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 said. The king is coming and he will ride on a donkey. So when he walks into Jerusalem, or better yet, when he rides into Jerusalem, they're like, oh no, it's too late. We can't do anything now. Everyone's drank the Kool-Aid. I wonder how many of you here just drank the Kool-Aid already. Just chug that thing. Just, just the Kool-Aid. Everyone's done it. It's too late now because they've had their chances. But, but that meant now that... There's probably going to be an uprising. There's probably going to be war in the streets. He's probably going to form his militia. He's going to take over now. He's finally going to announce that, that he's the new king of Israel. And we couldn't do anything about it. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Jesus became a threat. A threat. He was a threat. You've ever been threatened? He, he was a threat. That's funny because 
I don't know, if you walk to church today and you're riding a donkey, I don't consider you a threat. Riding <laughs> a donkey, bro. It's not a threat. <laughs> like you should have ridden on a stallion, you know what I mean? It's the main. And, and then when you walk in, it kicks up its two legs. But a donkey, he became a threat. I, I know he became a threat because they, they said there's nothing we could do. Everyone has gone after him now. He's a threat. And, and I want you to know this. He's today, even today, still some 2,000 plus years ago, but even today, to, he, he is the threat before you. Look at someone and say the threat before us. Yeah. Let me give you the definition of threat just so you could get this for a moment. The word threat means this. It means a statement of an intention to inflict pain. It's right in a donkey, man. Injury, damage, or other hostile actions on someone in retribution for something done or not done. Just a threat. I love this one. A person or thing likely to cause damage or danger. He's a threat. You know Jesus, at times when he needed, he would cause some damage and danger. You know that, right? It's all over scripture. He was a threat. Jesus was a threat to both the religious and the political groups in Israel. To both Rome and to both all of Israel. He, he, and, and to Israel. He, he, was, he was a threat to both of these groups that, 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 that took some sort of ownership or, or, or rulership over, over Israel during this moment. He, he, he challenged them in every single uh, drip of his life, in every single Word of, that came out of his mouth with every single action, he was a threat for them. Some of the things was, number one, he, he, he threatened their authority, and he threatened it constantly, their authority. Because he claimed to be the Messiah, and when he claimed to be Messiah, it angered them. And the reason why it angered them, because it meant that, that his authority as Messiah overweighs their authority as Pharisees. It was a threat. Stop, stop saying you're Messiah because, because watch, what's going to happen is the crowds are going to listen to you and they're going to stop listening to us. And we love to control people. And we don't want you to free them from our control. So he became a threat. You know, you know he, he became such a threat to their authority that, that they're like, no one is allowed to do anything on the Sabbath. Because they follow like this Old Testament custom that, that, that you can't do anything. You can't, like not even a sweat could drip out of, your, out, of, out of your pores like it's considered working. I mean, it was so legalistic. I mean, you killed a fly, you poured a chair and dust came up. I mean, it was so dumb. It was considered working and you broke God's commandments. So Jesus is like, oh, cool, you don't want me to do nothing on a Sabbath? Watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise the dead on the Sabbath. I'm going to heal the sick on the Sabbath. I'm going to cast out demons on the Sabbath. I'm going to grab a lame man and cause him to work and stand up on the Sabbath. I'm going to grab someone who's blind and make him see on a Sabbath. How do you like that? He, he questioned, he, he constantly threatened their authority. They couldn't do nothing about Because what are you going to do really seriously? Come here. If someone goes and, and heals a blind person, what are you going to do? You're going to reverse that? You can't see. Go back to being blind. You don't have the power to do that. Like once it's done, it's done. They couldn't control him. He was a threat to their authority. You with me? You know, they got so frustrated with him that the only explanation that they were able to give to Jesus was this. Look at him. He, he heals people in the, name of, uh, in the name of what? I guess summary in the name of Satan. Jesus, he, he works in, the, in Satan's power. That's why he does that. Like, serious? That's the best excuse you have? You're going to call him Satan's worker? 
He threatened, if you want to write something else down, there's so many things, but I'll give you a few. He threatened the religious system. He threatened them. You know, I, I said this, and I want to go back and read it. One of the definitions of threat is this, a person or thing likely to cause uh, damage or danger. Say, say, say danger. Yeah, say damage. Yeah, not a good idea to, to threaten the religious system. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Ready? He goes into the temple. And he goes right in one of the feasts. Passover is near. One of the, one of the very uh, much respected of, of feasts of the Jewish people. And, and what Jesus does is mind-blowing. He, he goes into the temple and he drives all the money changers. He drives everyone out of the temple and he kicks them all out. He's knocking over tables. He's, money's flying everywhere. He's made a whip and he's slapping things and he's hitting the animals. There's people running out. I mean, there was an uproar in the house of God. Not smart. That's dangerous. That's dangerous to do that in the temple. But you know what? He threatened the religious system. He didn't care because of what they were doing to the house of God. Another thing that he threatened was he was a threat to the Jewish and the Romans and the way of their life, the way of life, the Jewish and Roman way of life. He was a threat to them. You see, when you look at the Romans and the Jews, as I kind of built this foundation, uh, their relationship was unstable. Better yet, it was just super tense. The, the Romans and the Jews, uh, they didn't really like each other. And the thought of Jesus as Messiah was very, very dangerous. The reason why it was because it could easily lead into an uprising against Rome. And that wasn't good for Rome, and that wasn't good for, for Israel, and that wasn't good for Rome and Caesar's ears, and that was not good for the Pharisees and their ears and the high priest and his ears. So when Jesus comes in, he threatens the Jewish and the Roman way of life. It definitely not good, but he threatens them. Another thing is Jesus, I love this one. I saved this one for last. This is the last point I'm going to give you because I need to get into the message. But Jesus, his social life was a threat. His social life was a threat. Yeah, if, if he had social media and he had an Instagram account, I'm going to tell you right now, there'd be so many Christians that would be hating on Jesus. Uh -huh. There'd be so many Christians that would look at him and complain to their pastor and say, did you see this Jesus? He was hanging out with that prostitute and she was cleaning his feet. Well, you think it stayed there? I bet you something else happened. Uh, not us, though. We don't do that. <laughs> he, he threatened their social life. The woman washed his feet. The religious leaders were there and they were appalled. You, you know what? You know what they said? If this man were truly a prophet and he knew what type of woman this was, if he knew who touches him in the manner that she lives, and then Jesus just points it back at them, she hasn't stopped. You haven't even offered to take off my sandals, but she hasn't even stopped cleaning my feet. The way he did life before others was a threat. In Matthew 11, he even tells the religious leaders this, this is awesome. Jesus tells them, I go to feast and drink, and you say that I'm a glutton and I'm a drunk and a friend of tax collectors and of other sinners. He points it out to them. Because what was going on with the religious leaders here was this, that they were too self-righteous. And in their, in their self-righteousness, they avoided sinners. But Jesus, instead, he kept company with sinners. And the way he lived and the way he socialized was, was a threat to these religious men. You're not supposed to be doing that. Well, who said? I'm here to win them, not lose them. I'm here to gain them. I'm here to serve them. What have you done for one of them? Such an amazing thing. 
And you know, I read John 7 and I can't help but laugh a little bit and giggle a little bit when I read it because at the end of one of the Jewish feasts, the religious leaders, they, they couldn't take Jesus anymore. And, and what they do because of his threat was they grab some of the temple guards and they said, this is what we want you guys to do. We're going to pay you X amount of money. And we want you to go to where Jesus is and I want you to arrest him and bring him to us, the Pharisees, and bring him in secret. Let's read that for a moment. John 7 verse 45. John 7 verse 45 says, when the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priest and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? And look what they said back to the Pharisees. They said, we have never heard anyone speak like this. Verse 47, the Pharisees said, oh, have you, have you been led astray too? What are they saying? Have you also drank the Kool-Aid? And the Pharisees began to mock the temple guards. Is there a single one of us rulers, of Pharisees, who believes in him? This foolish crowd, they follow him, but they're ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Come on, who's, who's really the ignorant ones? Who's really is God curse upon? These, these fools, he calls them, they call them. Does anyone here believe in them? Do you know that right after this, there's one of them that says, yeah, I do. You know, his name is Nicodemus. He's kind of like, I did. I, I went to him one time in the dark, in the secret, and had a conversation with him. And why would we crucify such a fellow? And, and why would we, would we put him like that with, when there's, no, when there's no, no guilt under his belt? Why? And he stands up for Jesus. So even one of the Pharisees comes to believe in Jesus. But, but he was a threat to them. And, and I read verses 45 through verse 49, and, and I, really, I really mean this. I look at this and I say, how pitiful and how embarrassing can you be? And I actually wrote this down in my notes as I was reading this. How old are you guys? Like, seriously, like, deal with your stuff like, like as adults. You guys are adults and deal with it in an adult fashion. Hey, hey, can you do us a favor? I'll pay you a little bit of money. Can you go grab him when no one's looking and bring him over here in the secret? But make sure that no one, like, that no one's, what's to hide? Bring him over here and make sure no one sees you bringing him over here. Make sure like it's nighttime. Bring him into the alley. I have the back door open for you. Do the special knock. And when you do the special knock, I know it's you. When they show up, they're like, oh, man, you didn't bring him. What happened? We couldn't arrest him. He, he was powerful. Are you serious, you two? Now, it's, it's, it's funny because I read this and I'm like, man, serious. You are Pharisees. You are the high priest. You are respected. You are authoritative, powerful, knowledgeable men. And you sound like, like, these, like a bunch of prima donnas. Like, oh, did you do it? And they couldn't handle their business on their own. They couldn't do it. Playing foolish games. And I, I read this and I laugh because I'm like, they weren't even brave enough to put their hands on him. They had to pay someone else. You know, it's like getting into a fight. And you're like, I don't want to fight. So what I'll do is I'll pay someone to fight for me. I mean, in a way, it's kind of smart when you know you're going to get beat up. But it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of wimpy and childish that you can't confront your own problems, huh? So, so it's, it's a very embarrassing and pitiful thing for such authoritative, respected, and powerful, knowledgeable, supposedly wise men. And I read this and I say, well, what's the big deal? Why is he 
so into your face. Why is he up in your wig? I guess that's a phrase that people say today, right? Is that something they say? I don't know, up in your wig. I heard someone tell me that one time. You're in my wig. And, and I read this and I say, well, I'll tell you why. Because here is Jesus, become flesh, living among humanity. And here's why. He was driving the Pharisees. He was driving Rome. He was driving everyone crazy. Here it is. Because Jesus came as the word. And those who reject him, his words inflict pain. His words inflict damage. When he begins to live out and speak his truth, it is hostile to the ones who reject him, to their heart and to their soul. And they have to turn their back on him. Maybe you're in this room and we talk about Jesus. And there's a thing that's growing in your heart as we speak today. And it's because of a rejection towards him. And that's exactly what was going on in the life of Christ here before the Pharisees. They weren't dealing with their average zealous Jew who just walked in and tried to overthrow the system. Another Jewish leader who was trying to create all kinds of noise to create havoc. Because those were many, many of those kind of people. But instead, when Jesus shows up to the scene, they're dealing with their greatest threat. And their greatest threat is the one who is going to cause damage and danger to their whole structure of doing things. In your notes, write this down, Matthew 23. I'm going to show you something, and maybe you've read this before. In verse 13, I'm going to tell you how much he, he threatened them. It says in verse 13, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, and you won't go in yourselves, and you don't even let others enter either. Guys, just pause for a moment. In Matthew 23, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, to Pharisees. And as he's speaking to them, listen to the words he tells these authoritative, respected, powerful men. He says to them, what trouble awaits you? What sorrow awaits you? Um, not smart. They could arrest you and kill you. You what? What does he call them? You what? You hypocrites. Look at verse 15. He says, what sorrow awaits you? Hypocrites. For you cross land and sea to make one convert. And then you turn that person to twice the child of hell that you yourselves are. That's harsh. 16, you blind guides, what sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it's binding to swear by the gold in the temple. You, again, blind fools. Not, not. That's something healthy to say in front of someone. Which is more important, the gold of the temple that makes the gold sacred. And he goes on, and he goes on a rant and telling them how stupid and foolish and how much sorrow awaits them. I'm going to skip now to verse 23. And he says this, what sorrow awaits you, you, you teachers of the religious law, you, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Okay, stop saying it, man, but he continues. You're careful to tithe in the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects, justice and mercy and faith. Yes, you should tithe, but, but don't neglect the more important things. You blind, you, you hypocrites. Verse 24, blind guides you. You strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat 
but you swallow a camel. You're so picky about things, and you're so religious about things, and you don't want to, you you're so religious, you're, you're worried about not swallowing a gnat. In reality, you're, you're drinking down a whole entire camel. What a hypocrite you are. You think he was a threat? I don't know if you've caught it yet, but I'll give you some more examples. He says this, what sorrow awaits you, you hypocrites, for you, you're careful to clean the outside of a cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy. You're full of greed, you blind Pharisees. First you wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Filthy. You know what he's telling them, right? You, you, you work so hard about making sure that the exterior plays the role, but inside you are nasty, you rotten, and you suck. But why don't you work on the inside? And if you work in the main things that mean a lot, then the outside gets better. Don't focus so much on your exterior when your interior is rotten, when your heart is wicked, when your soul is dark. Who cares about the speech? You know what I'm talking about, right? God bless you. Who cares that you know the language? Who cares that you know how to preach to someone when deep down inside you're wicked? Let's keep going. He says, what sorrow awaits you hypocrites, you blind Pharisee. Teachers of the religion saw hypocrites. Look what he says. For you are like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but inside you're filled with dead bones and all sorts of impurities. That's a threat, man. Outwardly, you look righteous, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and sin. You guys got it? Let's get into the message today. It's so intense that before even saying everything that I just read to you, earlier Jesus goes on to say this about them. Do what they say, but not as they do. That's, that's, that's big, man. Like, hey, listen to what they say, but don't do as they do. Why? He says this. Don't follow their example. They don't practice what they teach. Everything they do is for show. Man, may that never be you. May that never be me, but may that never be us. He, here we see in this passage that, that he was a threat. He was a threat to the Roman and to the Jewish establishment. And there was nothing that neither the Jews nor the Romans can do about it. Well, we know that because they just said it in the verses that we opened up with. He, he's, he's so out there, he's so upfront that, that when they cornered him one time, he said, go ahead and kill me. You know what he told them? He said, you know what? This temple will be destroyed. Come on, come and kill me. Come and kill me. This temple will be destroyed, but on the third day, it will be resurrected again. It will be built up again. What the heck is he talking about? It took us 46 years to build that temple. And you think that in three days you're able to raise up a temple that took 46 years? Yeah, because I'm not talking about the temple. I'm talking about God in the flesh. This body will be destroyed, but it will resurrect. Come on, kill me, and you'll see how I become alive again. <laughs> he becomes a threat. He challenges them in every aspect. So, so they come to a point that they needed him out. They needed him out of there. They, they were going to work hard now to get him, even if it meant murder. Can you imagine if some of the leaders in the church, you drive us so crazy that we just start to get together and we're like, how can we kill them? It's nuts. That's exactly what they were doing. Like, just Mike is driving us nuts, man. How can we do it like, so that the rest of the church doesn't get mad? Are you kidding me? You stoop, you stoop down to that level? I want to share this with you. You know, maybe this means something to you because this is where I'm going with my message today. You know, when the heart of man is threatened by truth, 
When it's rejected, pride rises. Listen to this. Pride rises. And that man can't find it in them to humble themselves and to repent. And when that happens, what grows instead is a form of bitterness. And it's sin that grows. And when that form of bitterness and sin grows in you, listen to this, you will begin to think, say, and do the unthinkable. Because something else greater than yourself is controlling you. You guys need to believe what I'm telling you today. Because you could ask Cain what it did to Abel. You guys are with me? They were brothers and Cain killed them because he allowed truth to make him bitter and grow sin and it caused him to murder his own brother. Ask Cain what happened to it, what he did with Abel. You know, you could ask Jacob what he did to Esau. You could ask Absalom what he did to his very own father, David. You could even ask Saul what he did to a young man that he raised like a son, David. You could even ask David what he did to a man whom he supposedly loved called Uriah. Man, when sin comes into your heart, when bitterness comes in, you'll grab someone that you think you thought you loved and then you send them out to the forefront of the field and say, go ahead and fight the war so that you could be murdered and killed so that way I could take your wife who's pregnant with my baby. The heck, how'd you get to that place? I'll tell you how you got to that place. Because when truth was presented, when the threat stood before you, you either accept it or you reject it. And when you reject it, bitterness and sin grows in. And the next thing you see is you start to think, you start to do, and you start to say the unthinkable. Because that sin, which is much stronger than you in the flesh, begins to control you. You know, you could ask Judas what it did to him. And what it did to Jesus. You know, you could ask Lucifer. Yeah, I mentioned them on a Sunday service. That's weird, huh? You could ask Lucifer what it did to God. What it did to him. I don't know if you're on the same page with me, but, but here's the threat. Here's Jesus. And the powers at hand can't handle the word of God or the person of Christ. You see... When the truth stands before you, when the truth opens, and you choose now whether to accept or to reject it, when, when, when stands before you that threat, when the threat is before you, that's today's message, the threat before you, everyone say that, the threat, I feel like, I feel like we're falling asleep, the threat before you, rejecting it in the long run can be dangerous. It's very easy to allow what threatens you. To become your enemy. You should write that down. Come on. You've ever been threatened at work? Man, I wonder if you guys are here today. This is an awkward feeling today I'm having. <laughs> you guys ever been threatened at work? Yes. You ever been threatened maybe as someone in your family? You've been threatened maybe in a church arena? In a church circle? You've been threatened in any capacity? It's crazy, right, how that person who becomes that threat in your life Little by little, things start to grow in your heart. And you used to do life with that person. You used to love that person. Now they become an enemy. I've seen that when, when the threat stands before us and it's not received in a good heart, I've recognized how the threat becomes an enemy. I've, I've recognized that in my life personally, and I'm sure you have too in your life. And I know something about enemies. Everyone say enemies. Enemies. 
<clears throat> yeah, I know something about threats. Say threats. Eventually, threats become targets. You should write that. Eventually, threats become targets. Because you know that every time they stand before you, there's a truth that comes out. And, and when the, the threat stands before, now there's a target on them because we got to do whatever we can to shut this or to cast this out or to destroy it because I don't, I don't like hearing things about myself that, that I know to be true, but yet I don't want to accept that as truth in my life. And, and we grab these these threats, and we make them targets. And, 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 and today's message, as Jesus is walking into Jerusalem and he's riding on a donkey, we see here that today the threat stands, even today, in this year, in this day, right now, present in this place, that, that today the threat still stands before us. And, and in standing before us, he wants to damage, and, and I'm going to say that very loosely today, he wants to damage things in your life. What? I thought he wants to heal. And I thought he wants to restore and I, I thought he wants to do miracles. He does. But sometimes whatever has been built needs to be crushed. And whatever has grown needs to be ripped out. And sometimes whatever has been fortified needs to crumble. I, I don't know about you. There was a wall one time. And God told Joshua, walk up to that wall. And God, God that's a very thick wall and mighty wall. And on the other side of that wall, there's some mighty men. Well, well I told you to walk to that wall. And walk around it seven times. And blow trumpets on the seventh time. And begin to scream. And you'll see that out of nowhere, the wall will start crumbling down and then when when things are damaged then I could conquer it and then I could build again and I believe that in this room the whole the whole entrance of of Jerusalem on a donkey is something so much more symbolic it is actually Jesus entering into the life of the believer to damage things so that way he could grow things again in your life And today the threat stands before you. And, and as the threat stands before you, I say this very loosely, but yet very honestly, maybe the reason why the threat stands before you is not to pamper you, but to damage you. Well, what needs to, write this down, write this down, because it's always fun when you write things down and then like a year later you go back to it. And like, dang, that's right. Write this down. What needs to be damaged in my life? You could write it like that, like scream it on the paper. Bold, I don't know, uh, all caps. What kind, of, what kind of punctuation are you going to put? Don't just put a question mark, put what? Yeah, scream it. What needs to be damaged in my life? Because the threat stands before me. <clears throat> and maybe he's a threat today. Listen to this, guys. Maybe he's a threat to your comfort zone. Huh? No, we'll keep going. Maybe he's a threat to your religious manner. The religious fashion of your being. You know, there's, there's some of us that are so, we're, over, we're more religious than God is even religious, that makes sense. Maybe he's a threat to your lingering bitterness and hatred. Maybe he's a threat to your ongoing sin, huh? Maybe he's a threat to your failing marriage. 
Maybe he's a threat to your mediocrity. Maybe he's a threat to your bad attitude. Maybe he's a threat to your wandering eye and your loose lips. Huh? Maybe he's a threat to your friendships and your relationships. Maybe the Lord stands before you, not just necessarily to lift you up, to blow bubbles in the air and say, go ahead and pop out the bubbles and let's have a good time and walk through the fields. But maybe it's let's talk about some things in your life that need to get fixed. And in order to fix them and grow them, I'm going to walk into this place and I'm going to destroy some things. I'm going to cause some injury. I'm going to damage something so I can live, make you live again. And, 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 and you're praying for your marriage. Awesome. I'm going to rip it into shreds. And you're praying for your finances. I'm going to test you on it. And, and, and you're praying for your friendships. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, man, and he just goes bam, 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 bam. And he starts to attack things in your life because he wants to damage them so that that way, that way, that way, that way, he could build them again. You want, you want this good. Watch this because Jeremiah says that, that when, when, I, when I put my hand on the clay, I destroy it. And then I, I grab a new clay and I, and, I, and I begin to make it into the vessel that I want. You see, because when I walk into the room of house gods, there, the Bible says there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. And I want to grab the dishonor and rip it into shreds so that that way you make a decision. Do you want to be vessels of honor? I'm walking into Jerusalem on a donkey. But don't get confused. You think I come just to bring peace. But you better believe I'm coming to make war. Because sometimes we say, oh, he's on a donkey to bring peace. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no way that you could look a couple hours down the road. And tell me that when you look at his back, that that looks like peace. Did you guys understand what I meant by that? He got whipped a bunch of times. 39 times that there were serious whips. And I say this every Easter. I want to say it again and describe it again. But, but his back was bared. It was open. His insides were showing. Oh, that's peace. Baloney, that's peace. They mocked him so much. Oh, you're the king? Watch this. They grabbed the plan. I got to see that plan. And, and they begin to... And twine it all together and they put it on his head and they jam it into his skull. And now massive thorns are penetrating his skull. And like, but that's peace. Yeah, right, that's peace. That doesn't sound like peace to me. And, and then to, to make it worse, they, they take off his clothes where he's just loose in the air. And they're punching him and he's falling and he's carrying this, this massive piece of wood. And he's falling on the floor. And, and as he's falling on the floor... And they're punching him and say, come on, if you are the son of God, pop, prophesy, who hit you now? Oh, yeah, that's peace. And then they, they bring him to Calvary, and he's bleeding already because he's already dying of all the blood loss. And as they put him on the cross, they get these massive nails, and they, they penetrate his wrist, and they penetrate his ankles, and they hang him there, and he's suffocating, and he's bleeding, and, 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 they, and they rip off his beard, and they're punching him. But, but hey, that's peace. You see, when Jesus, the threat before you, Palm Sunday, the entrance into Jerusalem, maybe, maybe it is symbolic. Maybe, maybe it's an entrance into your heart. Maybe that's symbolic for the entrance of your soul. Maybe the whole Jerusalem picture is an entrance into your life. And, and, and I don't know about you, but whenever someone enters into my life, they find some ugly things that are inside there, huh? 
You come into my living room and you'll recognize that in my living room there are some nasty, smelly, filthy, dirty things deep down in there. Why? Because there is some work that needs to be done in this man. And, and Jesus walks into Jerusalem uh, fulfilling prophecy on a donkey and everyone is singing Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Oh, so beautiful, so glorious and so peaceful. The heck it is, man. Do you know what he's about to encounter? Everyone was so fixed on Palm Sunday. But no one really recognized that it had nothing to do with peace. It actually had everything to do with war. And while he's walking on on a peaceful donkey, he's actually doing something bigger than that. He's actually doing something that is so much deeper than that. Because I come on a donkey to, to represent that I, yeah, I come in peace in a sense, but the peace is to remind you that what I want for you is for, for you to live in my peace. I want what is peaceful for you. So, so I come to make war with what I find in you, with what I find in you, but I come to make and leave peace after. I come and make peace and leave peace after within you. You see, Jesus basically says, if I don't go into this war, you'll never go into this peace. So in order for me to leave peace in you, I must ride in this donkey into Jerusalem and make war with it. You see, because there are things in your life that as you continue to hold them in there and you continue to live in it, you're never going to experience the peace of God. So God says, let me enter and make war and damage and cause some injury on the things that you hold inside of you. And that way, as I make war over those things, you'll see that after what I leave behind is a trail of you living in peace. You see, so, so don't get so confused that you look at the donkey and you look at the threat before you and you think, oh, here he is. He, he's coming to, to bring peace and to rise up his kingdom. Actually, he's coming to bring damage to the nature of who we are. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's coming to change some things. Let me tell you what I mean. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, hated by many. He called him off the tree. Come on, I'm about to damage some things. There was a woman with the flow of blood for 12 years. There was a Samaritan woman even at the well. Tito preaches like two weeks ago. There was a blind man from birth, a blind man on the side also on the road um, of Jericho. There was a blind man in the Seda that was, he spit on the mud and he slapped his eyeball and the man saw again. There was Lazarus who he raised from the tomb. There was a leper that he healed in Galilee. There was a deaf man. There was a dead daughter. There was a dead son. There was a demon possessed in Galilee. I mean, literally all over the Gospels, I could give you 31 accounts of Jesus wrecking people's lives in the New Testament. In the New Testament. 31 accounts all over the New Testament. Jesus wrecking people's lives. I hope you get the point because the reason why he's wrecking these people's lives is because he's fulfilling another prophecy. And he confesses that other prophecy in Luke chapter 4 when he says this. I came as a threat. What do you mean? I came anointed. I came as a threat to what? To bring good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom to release captives. To make the blind see and to set free those who are oppressed. I came as a threat so that you could finally be set free. You know, I, Omar... We love Omar here, and Omar just does what we ask him to do. He's so good at that, and, and, and in a sense, he helps out with our preachings a lot. He does it a lot. But here's Omar. Omar's going to be in the back. If I had a donkey, I would let Omar ride the donkey today in church, but I don't have a donkey today. <laughs> I, I want everyone to look back for a moment, and this is Omar. Omar, just wave at everyone. That's Omar. Everyone say, hi, Omar. Hi, Omar. We're going to end our message in, in a few minutes, and... 
And Omar is going to represent Jesus. I mean, the, the Bible does say he had a beard and he had hair. <clears throat> but uh, he's, a, he got, he's got some scruff and he, got, he has no hair. But. And um, as he comes riding on the donkey, everyone is just looking at him. And Omar, I want you just to walk over here, maybe a little bit slower than Danielle just walked, but maybe like if you were getting married, but, but a little bit faster than getting married, kind of walk, you know what I mean? And Omar walks in. Wait, wait, stop for a second. Stop, 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 stop. But see, as Omar's walking down into Jerusalem, the crowds are, are waving their hands and blowing kisses at him, blowing kisses at him. And, and they're waving palm trees and they're putting it on the floor. You know what? I should have, maybe I couldn't have brought a, a donkey, but man, there's some nice palm trees in front of my house that I could have ripped some of the palm trees and brought them. But, but they, begin to, they begin to lay palm trees on the floor. And as, as Jesus, Omar, but, you know, representing Jesus, as he walks in, the, the people begin to put palm trees on the floor. And he's riding a donkey, and everyone is saying, Hosanna, come on, Jesus. Hosanna. Come on, Jesus. Hosanna. 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 What a beautiful sight this is. This is so glorious. This is amazing. Everyone is worshiping him. Everyone's in awe. Everyone is fascinated. Everyone is in love. Everyone is like, my king. But in reality, the walk in through Jerusalem was actually a walk of shame. It was a walk of ridicule. It was a walk of, you glorify me now, but you'll crucify me tomorrow. It was a walk of, here I am to proclaim I'm your king, but in reality, you look at me with a, with a, with a target on my back. And, that, and that's what Jesus was. He, he was. he was not just a, 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 a claiming to be king on a donkey walking into Jerusalem. He was a target walking into Jerusalem for all man to throw arrows and crucify him. Hosanna! Hosanna! I'm off beat. I'm off rhythm. Hosanna in the highest. <laughs> At least I know the words. And as he walks back, Hosanna! Hosanna, the song begins to change. Hosanna in the crucify him. And they begin to shout, who do I let go? Barabbas or this man, Jesus, who I can't find any fault in. And the same crowd that sang, Hosanna, Hosanna. Riding on his donkey. It's the same crowd that began to say. You better believe it didn't sound like that. It's the same crowd that began to say. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. The, the, the one who came on a donkey. Is now being told, crucify him. You see, because the threat before you wears the target for you. He wears the target with your name on it. And here's the threat with the target on his back. And from the front, it's glorious. From the front, it's beautiful. From the front, it's lovely. But from the back, if you look closely when he was walking by, what there was, was 
It wasn't so glorious at all. He had a target. Had a target that would soon be pierced. See, because he was a threat. To who? He was a threat to the Roman authority. And he was a threat to the religious establishment. And he was not only a threat. Everyone say this. He was ready. Say ready. Say prepared. Better word. Say prepared. Yeah. He was prepared. You know what for? He was prepared to be an offering. To be led to the slaughterhouse. You know why? Everyone say why. Because he was so madly in love with you. You mean to tell me that he loves me so much that he didn't just come right another donkey? You better believe it. He also came with a target on his back. It didn't, didn't end with the donkey. It ended with a target. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. Throughout scripture, man, it speaks of the Lord. And it speaks of the Lord that he even has arrows. And he shoots them. I don't know if you know this, but, but scripture talks about God, about him being an archer. God shoots arrows. It's so funny. It's actually weird. I don't have time to give you all the scriptures, but there are so many that I found. But I'm going to give you two that I really like. They're both on the Psalms. Psalm 21:12 in the NASB says this. For you will make them turn their back and you will aim with your, with your what? With your bow. Your bow strings at, at their faces. Another one says in chapter 7 verse 13, he says, He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. What? He makes his arrows fiery shafts. You know what's crazy about that? Catch the revelation. I mean, it's not really a revelation, but catch it if you want to consider it a revelation for you today. Arrows were being thrown at his target the whole time he was carrying arrows within him. He could have shot back. You, you know, I, I could prove that to you because Jesus was on the cross and, and they say, well, if you are the son of God, tell him to bring down his angels from that cross. You guys remember that? Tell him to bring his legions of angels to release you from the cross. Do you know that, that Jesus on that cross actually had the arrows to release him? The weapons to release him from the cross? And, and you're here the whole time and what you thought was, oh, he didn't come off from the cross because there's Roman guards there. You, what you thought the whole time was he didn't come from the cross because there was awesome nails in his wrists and his ankles. He didn't come up from the cross because, because he was already so overwhelmed. He was so beaten up. He didn't come the, you give all these great human explanations, but the reality is he shut his mouth, he didn't speak a word, and he didn't come up from the cross because what held him there was his love for you. So he said, I love you. So this target that has been shot at is just for you. I dedicate it to you. You know, I'm not a good shooter because I don't go often to the range. I, I used to, and I used to love it, but I haven't gone in a while. And, but I'm not a good shooter when I used to go a lot. Some of you guys might be a great shooter. But, but what's crazy about this is, is whenever I would hit, like, somewhat even close to the, to the center and to where I was aiming at, I would feel so good about that. And you know what I would do? I would always bring the best, 
the best target home. I should have brought one of my targets so you can see how bad I really am at shooting. And I would roll it up. If you've ever been to a range, they roll it up for you and you take it home. And if Nancy was home, I would open it up and I'd say, look at your husband today. Look at, look at, look at this. I should have brought it, man. You know that? Sometimes you preach and you're like, dang, why didn't I think about that when I was doing the message? And, and, and look at this. And, and Nancy, you know, she's like, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> I love you so much, honey. You're the archer of my life. <laughs> and I open it. I say, look at this. Look at this. Look what I shot today. And I opened it. And I remember those days. And... Um, I was, I, was, I was proud of my shots, you know? I, sorry, man. I, I mean, I, I got close to it. I mean, I never hit the X. I never have. But I, I've, I've come close to it, and I, I will show her, bam, 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 look, and look at my other one compared to this one. And, and bam, 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 bam. Some of you guys are like, pack, 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 pack. I mean, so just a massive hole because you're good. And then I come home, and I, and I show it, right? Look at this. Look at this. Look how awesome I did this. And, and have you ever thought about this, that, like, that he's on the cross, and in reality, his target's rolled up, he's put in a, you know, it's rolled up, you guys know that, right? He was rolled into a tomb. The target was rolled up. And as they roll him up, he, he kind of comes into a tomb, and they, they roll the, I don't know why I did that spin move, I'll come back to you. And they roll this, they roll this tomb right before him, and they lay him there, and he's just, he's not even recognizable. Because you see, if you're really good, if you have a good aim and you shoot at a target, pop, 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 your target, whatever you're hitting at, it, it just begins to shred. And it's just like, what the heck happened there? It's just like, you just made holes all over it. And, and Jesus is in his tomb rolled up and, and there's just holes all over him. You know, there is holes all over him. You know that when he resurrected, um, Thomas said, if it's you, show me your holes. Show me your target. So that's it on you for a second. Take out the paper. If, if it's... If it's really you, let me see your let me see your side. Lucky chance. If it's really you, let me see your wrist. Surely it is the Son of God. He he shows up to the disciples and he opens up the, the target. He says, touch the holes. Touch the holes that pierced me. Pierced me. Because I rode on a, on a peaceful donkey for you. The reality is because I, because I went to war for you. And they shot the target. And they shot the target. So that in return, you can live. You know how much I love you? You know how much I want to brag about you? You know how much I want to show off? Watch this. On the third day. I should wait for this message because this is Sunday's next Sunday's message. But I could preach it again. On the third day, I resurrected. And I showed the world the target. I'll bring my target next Sunday. Come next Sunday if you want to see the target. I'm going to bring it. He showed the world the target. You thought that the piercings on my body would bring forth the dead death to who I am 
But in reality, you did me a favor because the piercings of my body, the Bible says that when he resurrected, everyone that was dead in Jerusalem resurrected with him. You know what's crazy that is? There was dead people that were made alive again walking all over Jerusalem. And everyone was like, what the heck is happening? Why is everyone coming up from the grave? It's crazy. Because, because he made war and he became a target. And, and, and he died for, for the ones who deserved it. He took it. And, and there's, one, there's one arrow and there's, there's one target that I want to talk about today as I end. That I want you to consider and I want to end with. And if the author of Lamentations is actually Jeremiah, who I believe it actually is. Jeremiah writes this about the chasing of God's faithfulness in his life. And how it breaks him. You ever been faithfully chased by God? Doesn't it break you sometimes? I mean, you know that he's a shepherd and we're sheep, and sometimes shepherds have to break the sheep's legs so that way it can never, it can never stray again. So he breaks us sometimes. And the, and the shepherd has this faithfulness about him that he does this work in us. And Jeremiah writes this in chapter 3, verse 12 in Lamentations. Listen to these words, and I end. I promise you I end. He says this. He, well, you know why I think now Jesus, not that he needed it because he's God, but why he has the authority to shoot arrows? Why? Because he took the humble stance of a servant to receive the arrows piercings. So because he took it, he can now give it. How many of you want to give something that you haven't even took him? What we'll preach that another day, but but he took something, and when it's time for us, he can now give to us. So look what Jeremiah says. He has drawn his bow, and he's made me the target for for his arrows now. Your arrows have no power over me. His arrows is what has power over us now. He drew his bow and he made me the target of his arrows. It's interesting. It's interesting that Jeremiah states that that the Lord made him now a target. But it wasn't a target for the world. It now changes. It was a target for his arrows. It was a target for his love. It was a target for his grace. It was a target for his compassion. It was a target for his mercy. It was a target now to be pierced by his forgiveness. It was a target now for Jesus to launch his arrows at. So when we think that the threat before us is causing damage to destroy us. He's bringing damage to restore us, to pick us up, to love us, to make us better. Oh, I thought you were gonna destroy me. He's like, in a way, but it's to make you better. The Lord now wants to pierce us with his love. We'll talk about this more next week because it is next week's message. 
And I'll share this next week again, but I end with this. And you could stand with me. And we're going to close off in prayer. Thank you. Omar. But I want to share this with you again uh, today. Introduce it today. Here it is. The threat before you releases you. You should maybe say that with me, huh? I don't know if I didn't give it to them to put it up, but say it with me. Say the threat before me releases me from the threat within me. Man, that's good. That's good. The threat before you releases you from the threat within you. Tomorrow will pass from the threat before you and will discuss about the threat in you and the threat for you. I say tomorrow because my days are on Sundays. But Sundays, next Sunday on Easter, the threat before you releases you from the threat within you. Tito, can you just sing something like minister to our hearts? I don't know, just... Just minister something to our soul there. And this is what I want to do. If you heard this message, you could just start praising God and thanking Him for making war on your behalf when we've always read that scripture as, oh, He comes as peace. Yeah, but for you, it wasn't just a picture of peace. You better believe that. So you could begin to praise Him and declare Him and worship Him. But maybe today, specifically, specifically, please, please listen specifically for you. God has spoken to your heart and he's revealed something about his life, him being, him being the, the threat before you to do a miracle within you. He, he entered into Jerusalem like the same fashion and he entered your life. And today you've recognized, yeah, God needs to make war and damage some things in my life so that he could build me up. Today I recognize that there is a threat before me and I don't want to reject him. I want to accept it. If that's you today specifically, and if you need prayer for that, we're gonna, well, let's just sing a song for a minute or so. Let's just, let's just get lost and, and close your eyes and, and just see him and, and pray to him and worship him. And If you received hope from this message, give him praise for it. But, it, but specifically, you need prayer because that threat is before you. I want you to come up here and we want to pray. I want, I want to pray for you and we want to lift you up. And we want to believe for you. So ready, let, let's just sing. And if you feel led to come up here, let's pray. If not, right there where you're standing, open up your hearts. Open up your lives and just say, Lord, here I am. The threat before me, here I am. So right there where you're at, begin to worship your God. Begin to cry out to your King. Hallelujah.